When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast on Rocky Mountain Rooftop, a proud member of Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Evan Lang, and with me, as always, is my fellow sufferer of Rockies baseball, Skylar Timmons. Uh, We are screaming on the inside. I was screaming on the outside a little bit this morning. Let's be real. (laughs) Yeah, we... I like to internalize the pain and the screaming on the inside so it doesn't show on the outside. That's what you do when you grow up in a rural area. You hide the pain. For me, I'm just going to eat an entire sleeve of Oreos later and call it call it good. Just eat those feelings away. Yeah, I was going to just do that anyway. I mean, let's be real. I was probably going to do that anyway, too, but now I have an excuse for it. Because <laughs> um, the Rockies are bad. Like this has been probably the most brutal month of April uh, that I can remember in the Rockies 31 year history. And I just, I don't really see it getting much better. Like you're going to see flashes of hope every now and then, like right now at time of recording, the Rockies are up by four runs against the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's great, but you can't let that be, false hope that this is going to magically turn into some kind of a competitive season because unfortunately that's baseball that's baseball our brand new shirt that you can find over on spread shop yeah you can follow the link in the description uh or go to rocky-mountain-rooftop.spreadshop.com and uh purchase our new design that's baseball on a variety of fabulous clothing options. Mm -hmm. Maybe it will ease the pain a little bit of a Colorado Rockies team that is just really not very good. To quote the Fox show, The Critic, it stinks. It stinks. It stinks. stinks." Oh, what is it? I'm trying to remember. This podcast is brought to you by something frozen peas full of country goodness and green penis. Wait, that's terrible. The critic is legitimately a very good show. If you haven't seen it, I recommend seeking out at the very least that first season, but unfortunately we can't sit here and talk about the critic for an hour or so. I could have to talk about Rockies baseball. The Colorado Rockies are entering the final day of April with just an 8-20 and 20 record, a 2.86 winning percentage, eight games back in the division, and... Only eight games? And that's only because teams like the Dodgers and the Padres and the Giants have all been underperforming. You know who sits <laughs> on top of the division right now? Is the Arizona Diamondbacks at 16-12. and 12. Oh, man, I didn't even realize that's what the records were. Like we kind of knew coming into this season that oh the NL West is it's not going to be as strong as maybe in years past. This would would have been a window of opportunity for the Rockies. The the it's mostly the Diamondbacks are on top. Holy cow! <laughs> that makes it even worse. <laughs> Their very exciting young hitting core has been just really killing it. A bunch of their guys are all hitting over three hundred. Um, You've got Corbin Carroll is one of the most exciting young rookies in baseball. Um, One of the favorites for the rookie of the year in the NL this year. And then for the Rockies, we've got Ezekiel Tovar, whose glove is fine, but his his bat is still catching up. Uh, Brenton Doyle, who did not play today. And Alaris Montero, who was demoted to AAA. 
Mm-hmm. Fun stuff. Um, we have some we have some pitchers on the uh we have some rookies on the pitching side of things. So why don't we talk about Noah Davis? Oh wait. Noah Davis just went on the 15-day IL with uh elbow inflammation. It's not good, Bob. Not good at all. Uh it's kind of rough because had a couple of good starts there on the road. Solid, you know, battled through gritty outings, and then gets absolutely hammered in a couple of innings here in his first start at Coors Field. So we knew that was going to be a struggle for him, a challenge of, okay, how is he going to do at Coors Field? Didn't turn out well against the Diamondbacks and ends up only lasting a couple of innings. And then it comes out today, here on Sunday, before we record, before the game, that he was replaced by Nick Mears and goes on the injured list with elbow inflammation, which is never a good sign for anybody, even how minor ever it is. And that's it's not good. Getting a guy that has such potential in an already depleted roster of rotation takes another huge hit with a guy that they had big hopes for. And he said that the the I guess he had felt that pain discomfort in his last start against Philadelphia. And then it's just kind of, yeah, and and that's what's frustrating is that he felt the he felt the pain in his last start against Philadelphia, which was a pretty solid start, gutsy start until things sort of uh, unraveled due to a multitude of factors in his his last inning of work, and then um, in his start yesterday, just couldn't locate anything. Gave up seven runs in uh, in two innings of work, and is now headed to the injured list, and that's been a problem. Now it was him and it was Herman Marquez who both said they had experienced discomfort previously, and either they didn't tell the training staff about it, or they or the training staff let them play through it. And either one of those two options is not good, because if they decided to play through it. That's that's a really bad move on their part. I'd much rather have them say, hey, I can't go today because I'm hurting. Let's take a look at this. Then, you know, try and push through it. And if the training staff is pushing guys to pitch through this kind of discomfort in an effort to, I don't know, save a very bad season, that is a huge problem as well. I, I don't think a training staff would ever, if a guy's still feeling discomfort, uh, no training staff would ever push a guy to do that. Because that I, just goes against the hippo oath, the Hippocratic oath type thing. I really, really hope so. Because, you know, it, it was Armand who said that he had felt that discomfort over his last couple of starts. And then we have uh, Noah Davis who says that he felt that discomfort in his last start. And now we've got Armand with the... Um, with the potential of Tommy John surgery looming on the horizon here. It's just, it's not a good situation to be in. And we'll talk about the, uh, we'll talk about the rotation in a minute because we need to go back and just look at how bad this first month and a few days of the season has been for the Colorado Rockies. It really has been the worst start to any season in Rockies history that I can remember. It's the first time they've ever lost 20 games in April. They have seven straight losses at home uh, coming into today at time of recording. It's only the fourth time that's ever happened. We have a negative 45 run differential at home. And of the 17 17 games they've played entering today, time of recording, they've lost 14 of them. And a lot of that is, is huge because... If the Rockies can't win at home, then you know something is wrong. Because Uh even in the terrible Rockies teams that we've had, that we've had to endure, they're always at least something to watch at home, and they haven't been this season. They've been terrible at home this season. Uh And, And I think a big part of it is the thing that's missing the most, like that would go a long way in helping the bad pitching, is the Rockies' offense is almost non-existent the majority of the time. Like, yeah, they'll have a couple of games where they're able to throw out five runs, but it's usually maybe in one inning early on, and then it's, oh, they get one hit from 
the fourth inning to the end of the game. And so the offense has been non-existent for most of this month, whether at home or on the road. You understand why we're used to it on the road. Of Man, if they can just squeak across a couple of runs on the road, that, that's going to be good in a game that can be good enough to win. Because the pitching usually will do better on the road. But at home, you expect, okay, high-powered offense. We're going to get those doubles. We're going to get those home runs. We're going to be having some no, high-flying time. It's going to be fun to watch. But instead, it's Rockies score two runs, and they give up nine. They score three runs, they give up ten. It, it's There's no offense. And we've, for, seen them, we've seen them multiple times give up ten-plus at home. Yeah, and they struggle to hit the ball, and this has been a problem where it's no longer a, a different <laughs> – there's no difference between the road Rockies offense and the home Rockies offense. They're more or less the same where, yeah, they'll get some singles and stuff. They'll do that stuff, but there's no big hit. And they just look lost at the plate wherever they go. They're just looking lost at the plate. Strikeouts are a problem. Not enough walks, ground ball, double plays all the time. It's the offense is a mess right now. And you I don't know. make it even worse. Oh, I guess go you for want me it. To some pain. The Rockies <sighs> are actually marginally better on the road this year than they are at home. That's what it feels like. At home, they are currently uh, three and nine. They have scored fifty runs and allowed ninety six, with a winning percentage of two point uh, of point two five zero. On the road, they're five and eleven. They've scored fifty three runs. And allowed 69, nice, with a winning percentage of .313. So they are scoring more and giving up less runs on the road. Mm-hmm. Maybe they should just be like the Savannah Bananas and just be not have team. be a travel team, <laughs> never play at home, and just turn Coors Field into just some party venue, concert, stadium. That's what it's good for anyway these days, apparently. Yeah. And eight of their losses, um, or eight of their losses this season have been considered blowout losses where they've lost by five or more runs. It's just, it's really not been a pretty season. And if we look at the offensive statistics of the Rockies as of right now, they have the fifth fewest walks in the league. They have the, I believe, fifth fewest home runs in the league, or at the very least are lower on that home run totem um, with only, I think, 22 total home runs this season, whereas the Tampa Bay Rays have 59. <laughs> Yeesh. And, and you look at those stats even more. You can then break it down even more. They have 117 hits on the road compared to 112 at home. 27 doubles on the road compared to 26 at home. Coors Field does have them with one triple. One more home run on the road than at home. 11 on the road, 10 at home. And what? how has that number been skewed in the past, Evan? It's always been skewed towards Coors Field. <laughs> and let's talk about that triple because the Rockies finally got their first triple of the year 28 games into the season by Ezekiel Tovar last night, who's his first career triple, which is awesome. But the Rockies have never gone that long without hitting a triple in their franchise history, especially when Coors Field, with its nice deep outfield, is one of the more Mm triple-friendly ballparks in the league. Like you've um, You've got Oracle in San Francisco with Triples Alley. Coors Field has a very similar Triples Alley in right field and parts of center field, where if you get it deep enough, you can get a triple. And the Rockies just didn't have one. They gave up a lot of triples. They sure have. <laughs> now, here's one that really is amazing. 34 walks at home, 41 on the road. So drawing more walks, seeing more pitches on the road. Now, here's the one caveat, though. 159 strikeouts on the road. That's not good. Right there. Closing in on 100 at home. Probably will get that after today's game. And the Rockies are already um, one of the most strikeout-heavy teams in in the mm-hmm. league. We're top 10 in strikeouts. It's just the, 
I'm struggling to find the words to describe <laughs> how bad the Rockies have been this year. And it's tough because, again, you look at what's going on in this game right now at time of recording. You can see it reflected behind me because I didn't realize it until just now. Oh, nice. You know, the Rockies are up 6-1 to one against the Diamondbacks. But that ignores the fact that they got crushed in the previous two games. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, it's great that they're winning and they're going to squeak away with one. But the Rockies have won only one of their series this season so far. They took two out of three in Cleveland. Yeah, and that's where they look the best in Cleveland, an offense that was struggling. And so they were able to kind of beat up on a team that's pitching isn't really up to snuff at the moment. And then they face their number one prospect who then just demolishes the team for like seven innings. Yeah, he but, silly. But it's that there's just no consistency and execution with that offense. We know the potential that offense has. That offense should be so much better. But whether it's, I don't know if these guys can come from these other places and come to the Rockies and everybody's having the same type of problem of bad plate discipline, swinging at bad pitches, whiffing, striking out, not drawing walks, not hitting the ball with authority for power. There's, I don't know whether it's a disconnect but there is no reason that all these players, no matter where they're coming from, if they've grown up in the organization, are coming in as new free agents, that it's kind of strange that everybody has the same exact problem in that offense, except for well, maybe a guy or two. But everybody kind of has the same problems. And I don't know if it's a disconnect with them. They're just not executing and performing. The hitting philosophy just isn't getting across to anybody. Analytics and scouting and, and all that whatnot isn't getting communicated well enough or it's not deep enough to help guys understand. It's just, it's a mess. It's just strange to see it all fall together in this weird conglomerate pot of ineffectiveness where they're just getting overmatched by everybody. doesn't matter what team it is. Somebody can come in and the Rockies just look foolish is the way I can sit. Only way I can describe it is they just look foolish at the plate. Yeah, the they'll strike out the time. ten plus times a game every game, mm-hmm. and I it's and it's not just the hitting that's making them look foolish. Their defense has been bad. They lead the league in errors with twenty one. the The pitching has not been very good, especially the struggling rotation. But really, it's where it all comes down to the most is the hitting where it's just not working. And you have a couple guys who are, who are doing pretty good. Chris Bryant having a pretty solid season so far. Um, Charlie Blackman, not bad. CJ Crone is hitting home runs when he hits the ball. He's mm-hmm. the home run leader on the, on the team right now, as well as the RBI leader, but he'll have these wild hot and cold stretches that are just absolutely brutal. Mm-hmm. And, then you've got a bunch of guys who are just who are not pulling their weight. For some reason, Harold Castro is in today's starting lineup, and he's not been good. And it, it just makes you wonder, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. It's like, who's going to step up? And somebody in that clubhouse has to step up. I know Chris Bryant will kind of be the quiet behind-the-scenes leader. That's just the kind of guy he is, and that's fine. But they need somebody to step up on the offensive end of things as the leader, saying we need to figure this expletives out. And because we're looking awful out there, no, this they need a shock to the system somehow, and somebody's got to do something in that clubhouse to change the mood in there, change the approach or philosophy. If it's not going to come from Bud Black or Hensley Mullins or anybody. One of these guys, and I believe there's someone capable in that dugout to do in that clubhouse. But they got to figure it out and say, hey, we're hitting like poo right now. (laughs) Like, this is embarrassing. We are major league baseball players. We need to step this up, and here's what we're going to do. What can we do? How can we help one another? What are you seeing with all that stuff of pulling together as a unit? Because like we I've mentioned before. I believe in this offense. I believe there's a lot of good bats in that lineup. And if they got firing on all cylinders, man, that would be good. 
because they have that potential, but they're just not doing it right now. And that's what's most frustrating is failed potential. Did you know that the Rockies have the sixth worst on base percentage in the league right now? I think we need to go to break, Evan, <laughs> for our audio listeners. <laughs> You're I just depressing so me. <laughs> I mean, we're going to have more depressing stuff for you. That's uh, that's the unfortunate part of it. But audio listeners, hang tight for just a minute. We're going to break briefly for ads. When we get back, it's time to unfortunately talk about the Rockies pitching rotation. So stick around. We'll be right back. That's staying in for the video version. Yeah, they got to have something. <laughs> Welcome back to Affected by Altitude. I'm Evan Lang. Here with me, as always, is Skylar Timmons. And we're off to not a very happy start on this week's episode. And unfortunately, that's going to be a bit of a trend because now it's time to talk about the Rockies pitching rotation, which there's really no better way to put it is an absolute shambles. Yeah, it's the wheels. The Rockies rotation coming into this season was basically like my old 1986 Cadillac DeVille where that thing's kind of on its last legs, but it on the outside, it kind of looked cool aside from the huge dent on the driver on the passenger side. But just like that Cadillac DeVille, they've hit a big giant <laughs> pothole coming out of the uh, parking lot of a Domino's in Rexburg, Idaho, that completely has shot the radiator and it was on its last legs and then finally died about a couple months later. That's that more or very, less how the Rockies rotation goes. That was a very, very specific analogy. Oh, yeah. The car was sweet, but. It was definitely worth the $400 I paid for it. And I'd love to be able to say that's baseball, but it's really not because the depth of the rotation has been an issue for several years now. Mm -hmm. And we knew that this was an issue coming into this season that they had done nothing to address. And we hit the point right now where because of their failure to address that, and some bad luck and some injuries, it's all falling apart. And we'll start with Herman Marquez, who came back against Cleveland from the 15-day IL after that right forearm inflammation. Said he had avoided Tommy John, no major structural damage, um, just needed to rest. Came back, pitched, what, four innings? And then in the fifth inning, throws one pitch and immediately signals the trainers. Mm -hmm. And you could tell from his body language that something was not quite right. Uh, he gets an MRI done, and they're called. They called it a a triceps injury that they were encouraged about the the night of that game. And then the very next day, we get that he is going to miss at least six weeks and potentially needs Tommy John surgery. <laughs> it was worse than we initially thought. Uh, we we joke about it all the time, but it happens so often <clears throat> where, oh, we're encouraged about this. We don't think it's that bad. And now, Erman, and it, it's really tough to see because he's talking about it as he's, he's sad and he's scared and he's worried about potentially needing to get Tommy John and, and being in pain. This guy who's been a workhorse for his entire major league career dealing with injuries that he's never really had to deal with before. And I, I spoke about this a little bit on social media and in our writer's room, but it, it really, it really just kind of breaks my heart because I love Erman and you can see the, the joy that he approaches this game with when he's on the mound, when he's in the dugout, when he's hanging out with his teammates and to see that, especially over last season, this season, a lot of that really go away and him to be, you know, upset and, and sad. And, and we spoke about this a little bit last time. It's like, there's some real concern about the mental health of these guys in the clubhouse right now with how bad the team is with all the things that keep happening. It, you can't help but worry. You had Austin Gomber come out and say that he was really feeling the weight and the anxiety of being part of that Nolan Arenado trade. You've got Herman openly saying how, how sad he's feeling. You can't ignore that Daniel Bard started the season on the IL with anxiety. And 
I'm I'm just worried about the the well-being of these guys in the clubhouse right now. Yeah, because uh, it comes with the territory of being you know, those professional athletes, and but it is tough because you know, as, as media people, you know, kind of that role that we have as fans is you know, well, from a guy's not doing bad, man, this guy stinks, and and something I've always tried to keep in mind too of like well, I don't want to be too hard. You can be critical of guys, and they know it. Like they know when they're not doing well. And like, oh man, this guy's awful and he sucks and he's terrible. Always remember, like, yeah, these are human beings. These are guys with families, with kids. They're somebody's dad. They're somebody's son. And, and so, it, but it it's, gets to that point of when your team's that bad, they have that added pressure. They can feel it. Nobody likes to lose. And losing at this highest stage, the way the Rockies have been, it has a lot of weight to it. And I'm sure weighing down on a lot of those guys in that clubhouse. And then it just festers. And then we see more, you know, more mistakes, more bad games. And it just festers on itself. And you see it with Herman when he was talking to reporters after that game, you could tell he was seemed like he was on the verge of tears. And it is heartbreaking to see that with these guys, all the pressure and expectations they have. Know for themselves, from their organization, from fans, and when they're not performing, they take that personally, and it and it hurts. And so, hopefully, again, that's why we go back to that we we're saying in that first half, they can just you know, come together as a group somehow, and find a way to just kind of rally themselves together and to fight and overcome those things to deal with them, you know, these hard times because. Better for this to happen in April than like July or August, because at least up to that point, maybe they've been kind of like battling up and down through the season. And so to have it here at the very beginning of the season with all this stuff, I'm sure it's so tough for these guys. And so we we try to, to support them as best we can while we're being critical of them. Yeah. And, and thankfully um, Austin Gomber, since coming out and saying that he was he was still feeling that weight, um, he was really candid about it in some of his post game interviews. Where he was like, you know, coming out and being open with that made me have some conversations that I needed to have. Mm-hmm. And his last two starts have been pretty good. Yeah, and that's and that's great. And I, I'm really really happy about that. But then the the rest of the rotation is just really really struggling right now, and the the depth is really not there. Noah Davis being sent to the uh, 15-day aisle with that elbow inflammation. Uh, we just DFA'd uh, Ty Block to make room for Randall Gritchick to return. And we earlier, um, in order to facilitate Noah Davis continuing to get starts when Erman came back off the IL, was we made the right call in designated Jose Arania for assignment. Yes. And it's the same thing where, like, it's not fun to rag on these guys because you know that they are, you know, they're people. And but Arania had just really not been not been good this season, where the Rockies had hoped that they had found a good good bargain at three point five million with Arania, and after four starts, had to make the call of this isn't working. Yeah, because uh, props to him. Jose Arania was solid last year in the rotation. He would go five. Yeah, I think he was averaging like six start or six innings per start. There were only a few where he didn't go at least six innings. Because and when he would get ground balls, when he'd be effective, everything was going well. But he just didn't have it this year, where every pregame interview or pregame you no know, pregame show on the radio or on TV they talk about. Well, if he just gets those ground balls, he'll be good. But the problem is he wasn't getting the ground balls. He was missing up in the zone and middle of the plate. And he was gave up a league-leading nine home runs in those starts with a ERA like over nine. So he had the one good start during the day at home at Coors Field. But everything else, he struggled to get past the third inning. He only had one inning where he pitched five complete innings. Or one start yeah. where he had five complete innings. Otherwise, it was just a hit parade against Jose Urania. 
Yeah, when you have uh, five starts in a season, but you've only thrown uh, 18.1 innings, 27 hits, um, nine home runs, 14 walks, just nine strikeouts, a whip of 224, and a batting average against of 346, leading to an ERA of 9.82. That's just that something... Mm-hmm. fundamentally is not working there when your and ground ball pitcher is leading the league in home runs not a good sign exactly and so you look at you look at that and you go okay it, it was the, it was the right move and i was i was very happy that they were making the decision to continue to let noah davis have starts and he made those two really gutsy starts and then now he's on the injured list and depth is just a problem again. And something I want to touch on really quick is that this is not sustainable for the Rockies bullpen because the Rockies bullpen is pitching so much. They have the second highest amount of innings of work in the national league at 111.1 innings compared the to the Miami Marlins at 115.1. And that's incredible because the Marlins have some good pitchers in that rotation. So you're just, you're not getting your starters deep into games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in comparison, the Rockies have the uh, fewest amount of innings pitched from their rotation in the National League at just 129.2. Mm-hmm. They're just not getting deep into games. And we saw that with Arania, where he very rarely made it past the second or third inning. Um, a lot of our guys haven't really been making it past the fourth or fifth inning. And I'm not really sure where the future is on the bright side. We've got Ryan Feltner who appears healthy and his last couple starts have been pretty good. Great. But outside of that, we really only have three starting pitchers right now. And I don't know who we're going to call on for help because Mm -hmm. down in, down in down in triple a there's there's nobody that's ready to go jeff chriswell looks completely overmatched by um by triple a pitching or by triple a pitching pardon me i said it again that's how that's how frustrated i am with this rotation folks um let's try that again shall we jeff chriswell looks completely overmatched by hitting at the triple a level and carl kaufman is he's not ready and on the bright side, we've got Antonio Sensatella, who is um, he's rehabbing down in AAA right now. His first rehab start went really well. His rehab start today did not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like we always say, we have to take offensive numbers with the PCL or like what pitchers do in the PCL in AAA, kind of with a grain of salt because it's such a hard league to pitch in. Uh, and it's more like, especially with Sensatella, it's more so how are his pitches looking? Does he feel good? Is he moving well, especially with that knee? Uh, but yeah, it's with these guys, you need them to execute a little better because we need them here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I get that. But at the same time, you don't want to see nine runs, six earned with eight hits in three innings of work in a minor league rehab start. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the first the first go around, he gave up uh, five runs in the second inning against Round Rock Express in his rehab start today. And a lot of that was because the Isotopes committed uh, three errors that inning. But, you know, it's, it's still tough. And I think... I think they're not going to take this start too seriously. And I hope it's not considered rushing him back to the majors, but overall his pitches have looked fine and he looks healthy and ready to go. So I would expect Sensitela back up relatively soon mm-hmm. at, at the very least within the first week or two of May. But mm-hmm. when, when we bring Sensitela up, that's still only four pitchers in a five man rotation. And you don't know. Who's going to fill that spot? Is it going to be Connor Siebold who threw like 60 something pitches last night and they've been working on stretching him out? Are they going to try and bring up one of these guys from AAA, even though they're not necessarily ready and just see how they do? Like, are they going to just call up Carl Kaufman? Because 
at this point, we really don't have much more of a choice. It's, it's really tough because there's not really a great solution here. Mm -hmm. And if the team is smart, I think they need to, even if it's not Tommy John, I think you just shut down Ermon for as long as he needs to be shut down for. Well, the what part, what makes that tough is this is his final guaranteed year and has a $16 million club option for next year. And so the longer you hold him out, the longer they wait for a Tommy John surgery, this might be the end for no Herman Marquez, where they decline the club option and then try to re-sign him to like that Mike Clevenger deal with the Padres where they sign him for cheap for that first year while he recovers from Tommy John and then are paying for what he might do the year after or later that year. It it puts him in a rough spot. And I agree there's not a lot you can do pitching-wise. Peter Lambert's still working back from injury. He's still trying to get stretched out. Roughly goes about three innings in every start down in Albuquerque. You've got Logan Allen and Josh Rogers down there in Albuquerque who have some big league experience, have been doing all right down there. Maybe you bring them up and uh, Logan Allen, we need you to to pitch for, <laughs> we need you to make a start. How long can you go? Something like that. Yeah, Carl Kaufman, Jeff Criswell. It, it gets tough where they're warm bodies more or less at this point in time. Now, maybe they might not be ready, but we need you to pitch and see what you can give us at the big league level. Here you go. And so that's the rough part. Otherwise, it's trying to rush up somebody from double A like they've done before with and may strike with, hey, here's another Ryan Feltner type, but it's going to take a couple years for him to get acclimated. Or you have to go into the free agent market or something. And that's pretty, pretty barren on the clearance rack. Mad bum, maybe. Uh, I don't think he wants to ride his dirt bikes here in Colorado ever again. Dallas Keuchel, who's been garbage. You got Justice Sheffield from the Mariners, who's been released. But he's been awful down in AAA this season. Chris Archer is basically Jose Urania if he's throwing ground balls. So there's not a lot of reinforcements. And then it gets into another conversation and have some other time. Of okay, well, then what can we trade? Because we need depth starting right now. Who can we move to to try and get that? Who can we claim pretty easily? So, it, it, a desperate situation, desperate situations, even more desperate because yeah. the options just aren't there for the starting for starting pitching. And we were talking with uh, Renee Deckert in our writers' room this morning about, you know, is this where the Rockies need to start? trying to figure out package deals with some of these older guys like Jonathan Daza or CJ Crone, if he continues to to start to hit better or just packaging people together to see if we can get some, some kindling for the fire in that pitching rotation. Mm-hmm. Or even, Hey, here, here's where our stockpile is in the minors. Okay. We have an overabundance of corner outfielders. Who can we move Right now, that has some value, but we really don't see him being a big piece with the big league rotation because we're committed to this guy. Maybe we can move him like they did with Juan Brito, a move like that. So uh, that would require them to actually do some trade work, which hasn't been very fruitful in the past. Yeah, and, and it's... It's really tough because we just don't ever really know what this organization is thinking Mm -hmm. uh, and how much of it comes from Dick Monfort and how much of it comes from Bill Schmidt and how much of it comes from Bud Black. And and an example of that is uh, Nolan Jones was not in the lineup today in Albuquerque, and he's been pretty much an everyday starter down there. And we have no idea what that means. Could just Does be a day he's off. just getting an off day? Does that mean he's getting called up? Does that mean they're making some moves? We have no clue. And so you just continue to, to spin the wheels trying to get the truck out of the mud without really any other ideas or options of what you're going to do. 
and know that nobody's coming to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a rough <laughs> the rough go of it of not knowing just what the situation is with anything, what's coming. Oh, uh, that or is the cavalry coming? We don't know. Yeah, huh. it's, that's that's baseball. Oh, at least Jose Arena's gone though. The, the, the we can at least. <laughs> that's the one good uh, good thing out of depleting roster is that the rough starter is out of there. Yeah, they made they made the right decision with that. You know, for Arania, I hope he finds uh, work with another organization or something. That'd be great, but I need it to not be here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <sighs> hang, hang tight for just a minute. We're going to take another quick ad break. And when we get back, we will we'll hopefully have a little bit more positive things to talk about, have some more minor league call-ups, have some returns from injury, and our uh, March-slash-April Players of the Month. So stick around, and we'll be right back. Do, 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 Twerk. Don't say twerk on our podcast, Skylar. <laughs> That people love it. Do you? Do you love it? Say so down in the comments. <laughs> Welcome back to Affected by Altitude. We appreciate you hanging out with us through that ad break. We're going to try and be a little bit more positive now. And let's start with... Hey, he's doing great this series. Let's start with the return of Randall Gritchick, who had that uh, sports hernia going on. Um, prior to the season, he missed the start of the season. He was on rehab assignment with the AAA Albuquerque Isotopes and finally came back and the Rockies made the decision of designating type lock for assignment to make room on the lineup for Gritch. And he's looked pretty darn good over his uh, his first two starts with us. He started in left field yesterday and in center field today. And it's good to see him back and healthy, especially hitting well because maybe he's up in that trade value and we can get something for him at the deadline. Well, he's got that new dad strength. Oh, that's right. He's got that a, a new little, dad strength. A little baby Gritchick. Yeah. Uh, it, it's good, because I'm one of those... I, I love Randall Gritchick. I thought it was a good move to get him last season. And then the Rockies, like we talked about the very first segment, somehow the Rockies organization got to him and he became the ground ball king. And he had some good flashes, I think, of August of last year of the type of guy that we wanted as the Rockies have tacos now. It's good to have him back because I like he brings that offensive potential and capabilities that Jonathan Daza just doesn't have. And if Jonathan Daza's not hitting well, it's very apparent. Whereas Randall Gritchick... He can kind of be a little bit more uh, streaker. He can work around some things because he has the power potential. He has a solid bat, and I I like him. And he brings yeah. that defensive capability where he's a serviceable center fielder, like does fine out there. And I, coming into the season, I was perfectly fine with him. You know, kind of as the primary center fielder with Jonathan Daza backing him up. But then he goes out with the sports hernia, and misses all his spring training. And that kind of threw some wrenches into the plan. But I like it. I'm glad to see him back. And if he can kind of boost that offense, bring it back, bring some a little bit more power in, or at least an ability to get on base and hit the ball, it's huge. Definitely. And, you know, we 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 chuckled a little bit because he he did not do very well down in AAA during his rehab assignment. He hit something like point zero eight one down. But there. he was drawing walks. But he was drawing plenty of walks. And again, you can't put too much stock into a rehab assignment for the most part, especially with hitters, because a lot of it is just watching pitches and trying to get your swing timing back, and not necessarily mm-hmm. on the hit results. Because um, when Chris Bryant was um, was rehabbing it was the same thing where a lot of it was just watching pitches gauging timing gauging your pitch recognition trying to get that all back together and so that's just fine and 
And with Gritch, I'm really happy to have him back because you're absolutely right. He does provide that that fly ball and power potential. And that's the one thing we talked about the Rockies are actually doing okay with this year is that their their launch angles and their ground ball rates are are fairly good, fairly league average. They're getting the ball up into the air a whole lot more than they were last season. And that's great. But now we just need to start seeing them hit the ball a little bit harder. And we know that Gritchick is capable of hitting that ball pretty darn hard. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I have big hopes for him. And it's nice to have him up now with uh, Brenton Doyle, who got a call up. Because I think those two can be a really good tandem out there in the outfield. I agree. Um, not necessarily super similar skill sets in terms of the bat. Doyle has a lot of raw power, but has yet to sort of tap into that. But mm-hmm. that's another thing where Gritchett could potentially help Doyle tap into more of that raw power that he has. Like they can be a really good combination together in terms of a veteran and rookie mentor capacity because Gritchick is a serviceable center fielder and he's got some decent legs. He's not going to light the world on fire with his, his speed, but You've got um you've got Doyle who is who is really really fast and I think they'll I think they'll pair well, well together and I'm I'm genuinely happy that the Rockies made the decision of keeping both of these guys up at the same time because I was going I was ready to be livid that they were going to option Doyle back down to Albuquerque to make room for Gritchick and they didn't do that mm. and it's weird now because now we have like six or seven outfielders on the big league roster which is. Yeah, something needs to be done about that. <laughs> like I am I am legitimately surprised that uh that Harold Castro is still on this team. But it is what it is. But the Rockies have been doing a little bit better with the youth movement recently. And we'll just go ahead and ease on into talking about Brenton Doyle. Um Brenton Doyle was called up before the Cleveland series. He started all three of the games in Cleveland and started yesterday and uh, game one against the Diamondbacks. So he had five straight starts, which is not what we expected, especially after what happened with Nolan Jones earlier in the year. <laughs> Nolan Jones Montero is last year. Well, Nolan Jones is looking at them like, what the heck? Oh, come on. <laughs> now he, I'm sure he probably knew he was just back up there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's funny because Brenton Doyle came in and immediately became the uh, team leader in stolen bases with three. He's He's got his first big league double. He's three for 17, so not, not great, but you need to give him a little bit to continue adjusting to big league pitching because he just made his big debut. And the fact that he's he's started now five of the six games that he's been with the big league club for is a promising mindset for this organization. And this is a team that hopefully with, with how the year progresses is going to continue to get much younger. Mm-hmm. And I love Brenton Doyle uh, in center field. He already made a spectacular diving catch out there in center field at Coors Field the other day. And him getting adequate playing time is what I want to see. Yeah. And, and this is kind of a play that I had over on Purple Robe my last Wednesday. Rock Pile was talking about with Carlos Gonzalez in 2009 is that same situation, how they can approach some of their young players that are at least able to do one thing well right now. And for Tovar and Doyle, it's the defensive capabilities. Like they're, they're doing well or well enough with that. And as long as they're doing that, it gives them time and you can give them patience. Okay. We need their offense will come along. We just need to give them time. They'll figure it out. And that's what Jim Tracy did with Carlos Gonzalez in 2009. If we called him up for a reason, he just needs time to figure things out. And those guys are getting that right now, which is nice to see with Brenton Doyle. Of I'd like to see him getting more and more starts out there in center field because out of everybody on that roster right now, he's a true center fielder. Yeah, he's, he's, he's really, I would argue, the only true center fielder in this in this uh, 26-man roster right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's got he can he moves well in the outfield naturally. Dude can run super fast, like Garrett Hampson level fast. 
he can fly. And so it's, it's nice to see him getting some of that time and hopefully he gets more of it. And of course that might mean, mean, you know, somebody's an odd man out in that outfield, like Jonathan Daza, who maybe you could trade for something or whatever, but it's good to see him get that time to figure some things out. I think that bat will come along when he gets more reps and hopefully when the Rockies offense figures out what it's doing as a whole. Yeah. And for guys like, for guys like Jonathan Daza, even if they do end up being the odd man out, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like Mm -hmm. I don't think Jonathan Daza is a bad player, but it's more of with the Rockies, how they need to configure it is maybe he needs to find a new home. And if he does, I'll always, I'll always hope for the best for him because you love the guy. He'll turn into Connor Joe or Sam Hilliard with their new teams right now. Oh man, Connor Joe and Sam Hilliard are doing so well with their, with their new teams. And I, I still recognize that the Rockies made the right decision moving on from these guys. Both of them are, you know, 30 years old and the team needs to get overall younger, but it, it really hurts to see, especially Connor Joe has been just really good with a surprisingly good Pittsburgh Pirates team this year. It, it just hammers home the point we made earlier where it's kind of an organizational failing of why guys are doing better with other teams than they are here. Yeah. And you know, hopefully Brenton Doyle doesn't fall into that same pitfall. But if the Rockies want some of these guys to boost up and succeed, you got to change your approach and you know how you do everything with hitting wise offensively to boost your numbers up again, because you can't let the raw potential that all those guys in that lineup have, especially guys like Brenton Doyle and Ezekiel Tovar. You got to exhaust every resource to make sure those guys are playing to their potential that they have and why you, you know, drafted them and signed them when they were young. For sure. And, and the one thing I will say and this comes into play with Tovar, is that the one thing the Rockies are doing well is hitting doubles. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got over 55 doubles as a team right now um, in the top 10 for the league. So that's that's very good. Love to see that. Granted, I would love to see more power, especially with home runs and stuff. But then you turn around and you look at how that's affecting guys like Ezekiel Tovar, where Ezekiel Tovar, like we said earlier, his glove is there, his bat is not. But with the amount of doubles he is hitting, where he has the second most doubles on the team right now with seven, you can sort of start to see that coming around. And mm-hmm. that's what you want for these guys. That's what you want to see eventually for Brenton Doyle. And a big part of that is because they've had Ezekiel Tovar playing at shortstop pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want with Doyle. Only in center field. Pretty much. Unless you want Brenton Doyle to play shortstop, Evan. You know, what's funny is I think he has the range for it. <laughs> but, no, nah, Doyle needs to stay in center field because it's his, his true position. But, you know, so we spent a lot of this show talking about the negatives. And, and admittedly, this is a tough team to watch right now. And you know that this is going to continue to be a really tough season, despite the fact that Rockies are currently up 10-1 on the Diamondbacks. But... It's not all bad. And one of the best things about it not being all bad is that we still get to pick our March and April players of the month. Uh, If you remember this from last year, excellent. If you don't, here's a quick recap of it. Basically, we we pick our position player and our pitcher that we think were the best players in the Rockies in the uh, combined months of March and April because there were only a couple games in March. And then we decide who our MVP of the two of them is. And both of us will pick those two and we'll just chat a little bit about them. Uh, Skyler, do you want to go first this time or should I? Um, I'll go first. All righty. Lay it on me. All righty. So for my offensive player of the month, so it's going to be a tough one, but I can't see any reason not to give it to our very own catcher, Elias Diaz. Uh, strong month. And I think you kind of agree with this one too. Uh, had a nice solid month. 25 games played and these new defensive metrics or new metrics for catchers as well. Diaz is one of the best catchers in the league. And so not only he's getting it done defensively, but what's nice is after several years of being just a notoriously slow starter, he's hit the ground running and had a good month of April 
the power is not quite there home run wise. He only has two home runs, but he has 11 RBIs, a 317 average at 379 on base, 456 slugging. His OPS of 835 leads the team. And so overall, he's just having a strong month, 25 hits in 87 plate appearances. And what's nice is he's kind of offsetting. He has 17 strikeouts, but he does have seven walks. You'll take that. It's kind of in that mix. But overall, he's just having a solid season to start the year, which is good to see. And then I got to pull up my notes here (laughs) of my pitcher of the month. Uh, We always get our stats here from Baseball Reference. So shout out to Baseball Reference for always helping us out here. But for the month of April, pitching-wise, it's kind of tough because that starting rotation is bad. But like we mentioned, the the bullpen has been fairly solid. Like There's been some guys down there been really solid. And for me, it's you get kind of torn between a couple of guys because there have been, been some good, some, uh, some good outings out there. But I think for me, I'm trying to pull up these notes here again. Oh, Evan, I can't find it. There it is. <laughs> I was unprepared. Okay, so for me, I think my pitcher of the month, I'm giving it to the Raptor himself, Brent Suter. Brand new lefty out of the bullpen. He has had a solid, solid start to the season. And no, he was that another one of those moves I really liked when they got him, picked him up off waivers, and he's been everything they could hope for. Ten games, he's thrown 16 and a third innings, so it's one of the top there out in the bullpen. I think he's out there with like Connor Siebold and like Jake Bird, who's eclipsed him by a couple of runs or a couple of innings. But 16 and a third, two earned runs, seven runs in total. So Rocky's defense, which we didn't talk about very much, for defense hasn't been good. But Suter's been excellent. Eight hits allowed, 14 strikeouts, seven walks. He's got a .918 whip. So Suter has been phenomenal. No home runs allowed at the time of recording, in case I jinx it, knock on wood. (laughs) But Brent Suter, pitcher of the month, he has been phenomenal out of that bullpen. And I guess for my MVP, I always skew towards the, the, uh, the offensive guys. So I'll give it to Diaz. <laughs> I think that's fair. Uh, offensively, I'm also going with Elias Diaz. He he just really has done exactly what you wanted him to do this season, especially, like you said, notoriously slow starter over the last two seasons. This year, just coming straight out of the gate and has been really, really good. There's not a whole lot more I can say on that um, in like terms he- of how he's doing. Like, he's doing exactly what you want. Yeah, and just the third catcher in Rockies history to hit third in a game. Yeah, that like that's that's how consistent he's been at the plate, is that he keeps getting moved further and further up the lineup. And he's also started almost every game at catcher, which is a real Iron Man kind of thing to do, because you don't really see a lot of big league catchers anymore starting this many games. But I think uh, Brian Servant's only started like two or three games, and Elias has done all the other catching work. Yeah, Servant gets like maybe one or two starts a week. Usually it's a day game. After the night game, he'll get a start. So, but yeah, it's Diaz has just been awesome. <laughs> He's been great. Uh, I would say my honorable, I really, I do want to say really quick, honorable mention to Chris Bryant, who <laughs> is. Uh, at time of recording, has an OPS of 786, hitting 297, 360, 426. Finally got his first course field home run, uh, has three home runs on the season. He's just been, he's been hitting really well. The power's not necessarily there, but he's getting on base very frequently, and that's good to see. But mm-hmm. Diaz just, he has to take that player, uh, that offensive player of the month position. And I really like your pick of Brent Suter. Um, but just for variation's sake, I'm going to go with Justin Lawrence for my pitcher. Lawrence came out of the gate just looking really, really good this season. That slider, which he has renamed his sweeper, has been 
devastating. Mm-hmm. It is one of the nastiest pitches in baseball, and I absolutely love it. Uh, much like um, much like Brent Suter, he's getting called on a lot. Uh, he's made 11 appearances so far to tie Brent Suter, uh, 14 innings, so just two and a third less than Suter. Uh, he has given up a home run, which is going to happen every now and then, especially if one of those sweepers hangs a little bit. But 15 strikeouts to five walks is really good with a whip of 0.93. And hitters are hitting uh, just 170 against him. I'm really, really happy with the development that the line of Panama has shown uh, coming into this season. Mm-hmm. And I definitely agree with you that Suter's been fantastic. And if it weren't for, weren't for J-Law... I would probably pick Suter as well. Uh, and, honorable mentions also go to Jake Bird and Brad mm-hmm. Hand, who have both been pretty solid. Yeah, and I was going to say with like Jake Bird, Justin <coughs> Lawrence, and Brent Suter, those guys have often been called upon like, hey, we need you to throw two, yeah, usually about two innings to mop up and come in big situations. All three of those guys could be the pitcher of the month. I mean, because Bird got off to a rough start those first couple of outings just because he was getting used so much, but then he's really you know, about halfway through the month, then just really started to lock it in. And he's been yep. all three of them have been so solid out of that bullpen. Jake Bird's got some of the most strikeouts of any reliever in, in major league baseball right now. So it happens when you're one of the leaders in appearances <laughs> that too, and leaders in innings, um, which is like we said earlier, unfortunately the Rockies bullpen is getting called on to eat a lot of innings, but you you can't let their their ERA the bullpen ERA fool you because it looks higher than it actually is in terms of how much this bullpen is being called on to work and how much they're being called on to get done. I'm really really proud of this bullpen, and you've got guys like Bird and Suter and J Law leading the charge on this, and there's not much more I can say about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, MVP, I agree with you. It's got to be Elias Diaz, just the most consistent um, offensive player on the team right now. And for where the team is at, that's been so important. Mm-hmm. And with you know, the performances of some of these bullpen guys, who's behind the dish working with these guys, it's Elias Diaz. Yeah. Well, we both agree. He, he's good at his job at catcher. Like he calls a good game. It's, Problem comes is when guys aren't executing their pitches, they're missing locations. That has nothing to do with Elias Diaz. He's calling good pitches. He works with guys. He noticed when Armand was injured in that first go around and called the trainers like, yeah, you're pretty much done. You're done here. I agree. No, so and, he, he does his job. And if this is a team that's going to need to start, you know, fire sailing its veterans, Diaz is one of the guys who, unless we get a really good offer for, I would like to see stick around because, uh, you know, Drew Romo is not really ready yet, and there's not a ton of catching depth at AAA. And Diaz has a really good handle on this rotation and on this bullpen. Uh-huh. Yeah, pretty much. But I think that's about going to do it for us here on Affected by Altitude. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Uh, Skyler, where can the folks find you at? You can find me over on the Twitters at, at sideline underscore crowd. Always good stuff over there. Uh, always making jokes, sharing my thoughts on the Rockies. Good stuff. And then also my Wednesday rock piles over at purple which are our homies that we have spun off from. And so, you can always go find our, our written word over there. And then every once in a while, I'll write for the international or no, the internet baseball writers association. The IBWAA or whatever it's called. Uh, every once in a while, I'll write, I'll write for them. Yeah, the IBWA. Uh, every once in a while, I'll write up for their uh, newsletter. Just recently wrote for that on the 29th. Their newsletter is called uh, Here's the Pitch. <laughs> Something like that. And, Which is honestly um, a really good name for a newsletter. Yeah. And so I wrote about you know, what the Rockies could learn from the past of the 2002, 2005 seasons, and 2009 no seasons there. They got off to bad starts. What could they learn from that and apply it today? So good stuff. You can always go check that out. Good stuff. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang 27. Uh, you can also find us uh, on the official Rocky Mountain Rooftop Twitter, which is at R-O-C-K-Y-M-T-N Rooftop. 
as well as the Affected by Altitude Twitter, which is at Altitude Effect. You can hit me up on Purple Row on Thursdays with the Thursday Rock Pile, in addition to sometimes doing other stuff. Um, and then Treat For You coming up this week should be coming out if you're listening to this on Monday, May 1st. Uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, May 2nd, we will have the first episode of the Monthly Pebble Report podcast for... Uh, 2023, where Kenneth Weber and I will be breaking down the Rockies minor league system here at the end of April. So I'd appreciate if you took a look at that, uh, as well as all the other stuff, and we appreciate having you around. Um, if you're interested in purchasing a shirt, you can hit us up on our store, link in the description, or you can go to rocky-mountain-rooftop.spreadshop.com and um, just a shout out to all of our awesome folks over at Purple Row who continue to do lots of really, really great work, lots of great articles. All of our podcasts and stuff are going up on there as well. Um, you know, Purple Row at the end of the day is still where we call home and uh, are incredibly proud to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We love them. We do. To we really agree. do. Uh, go Avs, go Nuggets. And uh, we'll see you next time. Skyler, how about you hit him with it? <clears throat> nice on. Oh, farewell. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>